0: You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from Meadowbrook Church in
1: Cheyenne, Wyoming, with Pastor Keith Miller. Our Bible reading today is Psalm 23, that can be found at page 458 of the Church Bible. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want Your rod and staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You may be seated.
0: So this is it. After So this is the last sermon in the, in the series. Uh, we'll st- kind of dive into Advent a little earlier in a couple weeks. I'm going to start a series uh, in, on Advent. And then I'm, I'm really, well I started doing work on a sermon series that will begin sometime in January on the sermon on the mount. I just it's kind of been where I've been at personally just thinking through, man, what is it what does it look like to follow Jesus? What, what did he, you know, say about that? Well, the Sermon on the Mount is a really good place to start. So, we'll be doing that in the in the weeks to come. But today, we're to, we're focusing on our last song. If you're new, uh, you know, if this is the first Sunday for you at Meadowbrook, um, or if you're watching on the live stream and this is the first time you're checking in, uh, we did this whole sermon series titled Songs, and over the summer, uh, I, I picked a, just a handful of songs. The qualifier for these songs is that they had to either have been written during the pandemic or released during the pandemic, and uh, I tried to pick songs that were different, like different genres of songs. Uh Look, last week, I was so surprised when I asked how many of you heard of Jordan Davis, and like three people rose their hands. It was like the only country song that we did in the series. And I thought, it's Wyoming. Everybody's going to be, you know, know this guy. No, that's not true. So, how many of you know who Ed Sharon is? Yeah, just like the first service, like almost um, most of you, actually. Some of you may not know him, but here's what. Here's what I want to share with you about Ed Sheeran. He is the world's best, was considered one of the world's best-selling music artists of our time with more than 150 million records sold worldwide. I can't even wrap my mind around that. Uh, as a child, he sang in a church choir. It's interesting how you know, the seven, seven different music artists that we looked at many of them started out singing or started their musical endeavors in church. So he started out singing at a local church choir, learned how to play guitar when he was 11 years old, started writing his own songs while in high school. In 2004, his classmates voted him most likely to be famous. I think they were right, right? (laughs) Um... In 2008, he uh, moved to London where he played in small venues. Uh, he posted some videos on YouTube, music videos, like him singing, on YouTube, and that increased his fan base. It also caught the attention of somebody you may have heard of, Elton John, uh, is a guy who, who um, saw Ed Sheeran on YouTube, which is interesting. Since then, Ed Sheeran received four Grammy Awards, five Brit Awards, six Billboard Music Awards, and um, an award for the Songwriter of the Year in 2018. Now, why am I sharing all this with you? Because there's a reason why people listen to his music. There are, I I think last I checked on YouTube for his song, Visiting Hours, I think there was like 17 million views on, you know, for visiting hours, which wasn't released, I mean, it was released not too long ago. Um, one of the men who was credited with Ed Sheeran's rise to stardom is a guy by the name of Michael Godinski, who was a highly respected and influential Australian re- uh, record uh, executive and promoter. So they knew each other for some time. Ed Sheeran looked to him as a mentor, um, somebody he really respected. Gudinski was found dead on March 2nd, 2021. He died uh, in his sleep at the age of 68. His autopsy report revealed that he had cocaine, oxycodone, and morphine in his system at the time of his death. On March 24th was his memorial service of 2021, and uh, it, was a, it was more like a concert. But Ed Sherin actually it was it was good. To, uh, it was this guy's wish and desire. That Ed Sheeran be at his memorial service to perform, and so he did. So Ed Sheeran had to fly from London to to Australia, and he had to arrive arrive early enough so that he could do his two-week thing where uh, he couldn't be around anybody, and so just because of the whole pandemic thing. So while well during those two weeks, while in Australia with nobody around him, he was allowed to have his guitar. And he wrote Visiting Hours for his mentor. And um, there are some, there's some lines in the song that... Uh, how many of you have heard Visiting Hours before? Oh, wow, okay. Um, there, are, there are some lines in there that, that really echo a lot of what people assume about heaven or assume about what happens after you die. One of the lines in there uh, says this, I will close the door but I will open up my heart and everyone I love will know exactly who you are because this is not goodbye, it's just till we meet again. So much has changed since you've been away. Like the assumption, and I've done many, many funerals, the assumption that many people have is that we're going to see that person again. And and, and so people will grasp at, at some example of faith, Maybe there are good deeds or some, some good things that they, that they did and assume that they're in heaven, even if they didn't really show any real interest in Jesus or, or worshiping the God of the Bible. In a study done by Barna, which is a research group if you're not familiar with them, uh, most Americans expect to go to heaven after they die. Only 5% expect to come back in another life form, and only five percent, another 5% believe that there is no life after death. What that means there is this, is that most Americans are not atheists. Most Americans are very religious. They just don't believe in the God of the... Most Americans don't believe in the God as he is, uh, you know, talked about in the Bible or mentioned in the Bible. And uh, and so, so a large percentage of Americans, probably about was that uh, 92% of Americans would not ascribe to believing in the God of the Bible, but they are very religious. So that gives you some context. Uh, but when I read the 23rd Psalm, what I read is not just something that's, you know, read at memorial services or funerals, but it's really about our life that we're meant to have and to experience in God, right? Like, how many of you are familiar with the 23rd Psalm? It is the most familiar chapter in all of the Bible, just like John 3:16, right? You know, it's this is that passage that is most often referred to or referenced in any memorial service that, that you attend. So what I want to do is I want to show the music video, the visiting hours by Ed Sheeran, and then we'll dive right into the twenty-third Psalm.
2: Well, I wish that heaven visiting hour, so I could just show up and bring. Wish that you'd met her. Things that you learn from me, I got them all from you. I just stay away.
0: I've shared this story before, but the first funeral I officiated was my dad's. He was 47, and I was in my 20s. And um, there are no visiting hours in heaven, right? I mean, I wish, but but there aren't. And for most people, for most people, death is not something that leads to ease or or less suffering. For most people who die apart from Christ, it leads to hell. And um, the 23rd Psalm talks about just this relationship that we are made for, you know, to have in the Lord. And I just want to just dive right on into this because we often think, uh, you know, this is referring to just how the Lord will be with us when we're experiencing, like, death or scary stuff. But it's so much more than that. So there are three things that we learn about the shepherd in Psalm 23. And the first is, is who he is. And if you have a Bible you want to you track with me here um, or use your digital device, but, but it begins in the very first verse, the Lord. Now what's so significant about the Lord? It is Well, it's, it's all capital, so it's Yahweh. Yahweh is my shepherd. Yahweh, the God who keeps his promises, Yahweh, the God who... Who, who keeps covenant with those who, who are his people. It's the name that's we, that we first encounter in Exodus chapter 3, the burning bush. You remember that story, right? Um, Moses is just doing his thing, and he sees this bush. It was burning, but it wasn't being consumed, and he's like, wow, this is weird. i got to go check this thing out. And uh, he, he checks it out, and, and he hears the Lord speak through the burning bush to him. And uh, as he approached the bush, he's t- he was told by God, do not come near, take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. Well, why is it holy ground? Because the presence of the Lord is there. Now what's interesting about this is that, is that um, yeah, we should be able to approach God as our Heavenly Father if you're, if you're a Christian, um, but we must never we must never forget that he is holy, that he is sovereign, that he is Yahweh. And, and so he told Moses, take off your sandals. When you approach me, respect who I am, revere who I am. And then he tells Moses, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And then have this conversation, and God told Moses, look... I want you to go to Egypt, and I'm going to use you to lead my people out of the bondage of slavery. And Moses you know, asked him, well, who, who do I tell them sent me to them? And God said, you tell them this, I am who I am. It's really important you remember that, okay? Because we're going to go back to it later in this message. But I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. In other words, the God who is self-existent, the creator and sustainer of all things, the one who changes not, who has no beginning or end, you tell them, that's the one who sent me to, to, to you. It's the God who does not sleep, slumber, slack off, or slip into some stupor. He is Yahweh. He is Yahweh. And what's really interesting about this is that David, the, who wrote the psalm, begins with a statement about who God is with a single name, Yahweh, and then who what he does. He says, The Yahweh is my shepherd. This is what he does. He is my shepherd. He knows me. I know him. I don't know. How much you know about sheep, unless you live on a farm um, and have goats, I'm sure they're probably the same, uh, and that is they're, they're, they're dirty. Like, and for a, shepherd, for a shepherd to tend to the sheep, it was, well, one, it wasn't a job that everybody wanted to jump in and do. And, and for David, he was the youngest of his siblings, so he got the job of being a shepherd for his father's sheep. And it was a 24-7 job. It was a dirty job. He had to get in the dirt with the sheep. He had to, he had to guard them. He had, he had to protect them from predators. He had to make sure that they wouldn't wander off because what are sheep known for being? Stupid. <laughs> right? Even when they have everything around them that they need, they'll wander off. And so, so David was familiar with this. And he says, Yahweh is my shepherd. The significance of that, my friends, is that Yahweh gets in the dirt with his people. He he guides them. He's intimately acquainted with them. He is with them. He doesn't abandon them. And so David says, "This This is who Yahweh is. And then he says, I shall not want. Now, I think the NIV gets it better in in this verse. I lack what? Nothing. Why do I lack nothing? Because Yahweh is my shepherd. Yahweh is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Everything I need is found in Him. And then he goes on to the second thing that we learn about this shepherd that we're told about in Psalm 23, and that is, is that what he does? So what does he do in verses two through three? This is what he does. He does four things. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul, and he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name'sake. What's very interesting about this, friends, is that he he he. The very first thing that the shepherd does is he leads his sheep to where green pastures. He leads them to the place of rest. I learned some things this week about sheep, maybe more than I'd like to know. Like, I debated in my brain, like, you know, sheep being the most, the, the dumbest, you know, animal. I'm like, ah, I don't know. Rabbits kind of seem dumb to me, too. So, but, because I own a rabbit. <laughs> well, I don't own them, my son owns them. But, <laughs> Here's what I learned about sheep. One, um, in order for them to lie down, four things need to happen. Four things need to be true. They need to be free of fear. They need to be free of friction. What, what, what do you mean? Free from being t- like rubbing up against each other. They need to be free from pests. And they need to be free from hunger. And all of these things all these things, the sheep are dependent upon the shepherd to provide them with. And and it's the place of rest that David says the shepherd leads his people to. Uh, A while back, before we started this series, I I thought, man, we needed to spend a little time on a Sunday in Psalm 46. Remember that? Psalm 46 kind of begins in a similar way that The 23rd Psalm begins, and it begins with these words, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. And then it it ends with, or begins to end with this statement, be still and know that I am God. Yahweh, my shepherd, leads me to the place of rest. Because that's where I can focus on him. That's where I experience him. This idea of rest is, um, you know, the, the, the green pasture. I think, like I introduced it to earlier in the service, I think it's the equivalent to the New Testament word abide. It's resting in him. It's taking up residence in him. It's finding your security, your your. Your, your, your joy, and, and everything that you need in Him. Jesus said of Himself in John chapter 15, verse 5, I am the vine. Let's read this together. Ready? I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do what? Nothing. That's what I was talking about earlier today. Like... like You think you can live out the Christian faith victoriously over your sin, out of your own strength? No, I can do nothing apart from Him. I need to be abiding in Him. He is the source of my strength. He is the source of my life. Like, one question that gonna, you might want to ask yourself if, if you're struggling and you just don't know why, you know, it, it feels like your Christian experience has been nothing but backward steps is maybe the issue is that you're not resting in Him. There's another verse that I want us to read. It's 1 John chapter 3, verse 24. Let's read this together. Ready? Whoever keeps His commandments abides in God, and God in Him. And by this, we know that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given us. I said this before, and for those of you who are new, maybe you've never heard this before, and that is, sometimes I hear Christians pray, you know, oh, if I just get you know, more of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've been asking that, that question, God, just give me more of your Holy Spirit so I can be more effective in the way I live my life for you. You need to stop praying that way. You know Why? Because you, if you're a Christian, you have all of the Holy Spirit that you could ever need. The issue is not getting more of the Holy Spirit. The issue is the Holy Spirit getting more of your heart. And, and how does that happen? Abiding in Him. Taking up residence in Him. Well, what do you mean by that? Well, you know, this is what I mean. It, it's letting His words come into you. You know, The only way that's going to happen is by reading the Bible. Taking them into your heart. Meditating on them, our hearts are fickle and hard. I don't know. That's my heart. I don't know about you. I need the Word of God like like water on dry soil to 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 soften up the the hard soil of my heart. And the psalmist says, He leads me. He leads me to these to, to rest. And he does so much more. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness. You know this word the Hebrew word for soul is it can can be translated life. He restores my life. I think it's probably a better translation. He restores my life. Well, what does that mean? Prosperity? Like, like things are going to go well for you? You're not going to get COVID or get sick or cancer? Or no, that's not what it's talking about. It's just talking about you will find your life in him. Everything about you is wired and, and, and designed to know the God of all creation, to know Yahweh as your shepherd. I learned a, 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 a phrase that describes sheep when they find themselves in trouble, and it's called... the the phrase is cast down sheep or when a sheep is cast down. Now as I thought about that I thought wow Like, I'd never read that before and and so I I was reading a commentary where uh, James Montgomery Boyce in his commentary was sharing something he learned from I I guess a friend of his who was a pastor but before he was a pastor he was a shepherd for about eight years so he knew a lot about shepherding and this is what he said, and I want to read it for you. He says, what happens is this. this is he describes cast down, when a sheep is cast down. He says, what happens is this. A heavy, fat or long-fleeced sheep will lie down comfortably in some little hollow or depression in the ground It may roll on its side slightly or stretch out to relax. Suddenly, the center of gravity in the body shifts so that it turns on its back far enough that the feet no longer touch the ground. It may feel a sense of panic and start to paw frantically. Frequently, this this, this only makes things worse. It rolls over even further. Now it is quite impossible for it to regain its feet. In this position, gas is built up in the body, cutting off circulation to the legs, and often it is only a matter of a few hours before the sheep dies. The only one who can restore the sheep to health is the shepherd. Now besides the fact that that's a good example of why sheep are dumb, like if you're ever wondering, <laughs> just see the sheep doing this until it dies. Um, but, but that's us. Like we're called sheep. And don't, don't understand that, as, don't hear God saying to you, you idiot, <laughs> you dummy. <laughs> but our hearts are fickle. That hymn, I, I've quoted a couple times, prone to wander, Lord I feel it, prone to leave the God I love, is my experience. I don't know about you, but that's my experience. And uh, I was talking to a person who who is a part of our church family who um, just fell off of sobriety and, and almost wound up in the hospital and and uh, reached out to me and and just said, you know, I'm scared, could you pray for me? And and we were taught, talk- so I, I called this person and we talked at length. And, uh, you know, and this person checked, got checked into a facility to, to get back on track. But I, I shared with this person Micah chapter 7, verses 8 through 9, which says this Rejoice not over me, O my enemy, when I fall, I shall rise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light to me. I will bear the indignation of the Lord because I have sinned against him until he pleads my cause and executes judgment for me. He will bring me, he will bring me out to the light. I shall look upon his vindication. You know the, the, You know how we wind up downcast? Often you know, for our own sin, due to our own sin and we get stuck. The enemy will want you to wallow in your shame and be stuck in your shame. The shepherd wants to put you back on your feet. And that is your only hope. He is the only means by which you can get back on your feet. You've got to want it, but he's the one that can provide it. And I was thinking, man, like when I was thinking about downcast, I was th- it just brought to light that psalm. I forget what psalm it is, but... Uh, Maybe it's Psalm 32, I'm not sure. But, but there's this question that the psalmist asks, why are, you, why are you downcast, O my soul? Put your hope in God. Put, I just, it just makes me like, read the psalms. Well, I understand that. I, I see this in 3D, in full color, right? Like I can wind up on my back due to my own stupidity and my own sin, and yet it is the shepherd who is the one who can put me back on my feet again. How does that happen? How do I get back on my feet? Well, you rest in the shepherd. Trust that the shepherd can put you back on your feet. Why does um, why, you know like why does he put up with us? He ever asked that question, why, God, why do you put up with me?" I've asked it, maybe I'm being too transparent here, but I, I've asked the question, "Why, God, why do you put up with me? I'm such an idiot. Like I feel like the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 7, why do I do the things I don't want to do? Like, think about the, think about the, just the, the the logic of that. Why do I do the things I don't want to do? Because I'm an idiot, (laughs) right? I'm prone to wander. Lord, I I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. And and why don't I do the things that I, that I know I ought to do? And then Paul dies in the whole gospel. That's our hope. And he says, why does he, why does he lead us through life? Why, why, is he, why does he want to put us back on our feet? Why, does, why is he so concerned about us? Why does he lead us in paths of righteousness for his, own, for his namesake? It's his reputation. He's Yahweh. He's the God who keeps his promises. He is the God who says to you, brothers and sisters. And he says it to me, that I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. I am so committed to that, I am banking my reputation on that. I will not leave you. That's why you've heard me say multiple times, When I read Romans chapter 8 and I read verse 1, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus our Lord. And then I continue reading through Romans chapter 8 and I read that what can separate us from the love of God? Can tribulation or or, or pearl or sword or or can even demons do that? Can, Can anything separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord? No, nothing. Why? Because God has put his reputation on the line, and he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. If you're mine, you will always be mine. And I am, you know, and so David, that's why David begins, Yahweh, Yahweh is my shepherd. He is my shepherd. And he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. For his name's sake. His name is Yahweh. Yahweh. He is the faithful God who keeps his covenant with his people. And then thirdly, what the, pro- what the shepherd promises. What he promises. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Think about that. Is it just talking about death? No. What's in the valley? What happens in the valley? Flash floods? Predators? Bandits? Danger. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Why, why? why do you have no reason to fear evil? Because the shepherd is leading me. Well, how is he leading me? <laughs> well, he tells us, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. What, is the staff, what, is, what does he use the staff for? To guide the sheep and to discipline the sheep. What does he use the rod for? It's a weapon to beat the death, any predator that comes after his sheep. That's why. So when I have the shepherd with his staff guiding me and his, and his rod to, to kill anything that, comes, that seeks to destroy me, I'm comforted. I'm comforted. That's why, like I've, I've said this multiple times, that's why Jesus was able to comfort his disciples when he said, some of you they will kill, but not a hair on your head will perish. And then it goes on to say, "You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Why? Because no enemy is going to touch you. You anoint my head with oil. You 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 soothe my wounds, and my cup overflows." Now I've never seen a sheep drink a glass of wine. Have you? (laughs) <laughs> so, no. So why the shift in this metaphor? The point is that if your cup is overflowing with wine, it is a picture of prosperity. That is a picture of just exceedingly, it's being exceedingly blessed. We are, kid, we are children of the God of all creation if you place your faith and trust in him. You are heirs of the King of kings and Lord of lords. As I speak right now, he is preparing a table. And your cup, positionally right now, overflows. And one day you'll experience that. You'll experience the oil over your head when he finally wipes away every tear from our eyes. These are the promises of the shepherd. I think John Newton probably, the one who wrote Amazing Grace, probably had Psalm 23 in mind when he wrote his poem that is now the hymn that we sing Amazing Grace. One of the lines you'll be familiar with, but the, but the other line, I don't know why we never sing it. The Lord has promised good to me. His word my hope secures. He will my shield and, pro- and portion be as long as life endures. Why don't we sing the next one? Yea, when this flesh and heart shall fail and mortal life shall cease, I shall possess within the veil a life of joy and peace. That's Psalm 23. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Why? Because I'm abiding in the shepherd. That's why. Does that mean that I'm going to have a smile on my face in every circumstance in life? No. Does that mean disease is not going to touch me? No. Does that mean that everything is going to go my way? No. Good answer. I <laughs> don't know where that came from. But goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Why? Because the shepherd is infinitely good to me and he's infinitely merciful to- towards me. Amen? And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord for how long? Forever. Forever. No condemnation for me. Why? Because of anything I've done? No. Because of everything that he has done. Which, I I close with this, I know we're over time, but... What is Psalm 23 pointing us to? A better question is, who is Psalm 23 pointing us to? It's pointing us to Jesus. To Jesus. Remember what God said to Moses? You tell them, I am who I am sent you. You tell them that. Who are you, Jesus? Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. That's not the only thing that he said about himself. In case there's any confusion, I am the bread of life, John chapter 6. I am the light of the world, John chapter 8. I am the resurrection and the life, John chapter 11. I am the way, the truth, and the life, John chapter 14. I am the true vine. That was a doozy. You know what the true vine was? It was a cluster of grapes represented Israel. He told his disciples, I'm going to the cross But don't you forget who true Israel is. It's not this nation, it's me. And if you want to find your life, you'll find your life in me. I am the true vine. I am the door of the sheep. And then John chapter 10, I am what? The good shepherd. I'm the good shepherd. I'm the one David wrote about in Psalm 23. That's who I am. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. But I am a good shepherd and I am laying down my life for the sheep. I care for my sheep. And in me is life. In me is thriving. In me is contentment. What does abiding look like? What does it look like? What does taking up residence in Jesus look like? It's not coming to church on Sunday listening to or listening or singing some songs and listening to a sermon and going home. It is the culture of your life. It is a relationship. It is organic. It looks like this. His life is now your satisfaction. His light is now your light. His resurrection is your changed life. His truth is now your truth. His teaching is your foundation. His rod and staff is your compass. His leading is your thriving. That's what abiding looks like. He is your everything. He is your everything. That's what it means to have God, Yahweh, as your shepherd. Amen? Amen. And if you don't know who Jesus is, my appeal to you, if you've never placed your faith and trust in him, if you're just trying to figure it out, the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the grave, you will be saved. You don't have to have all your theological questions answered, but you you do need to be settled on that. There's nothing that you can do to bring any type of righteousness to God's table of holiness, you come empty-handed. All the righteousness that you could ever need is provided for you in and through Jesus. And you come to that as your life and as your salvation, and you dwell there. Then you'll begin to experience what it means to abide in Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for your grace. Thank you that you are our good shepherd. That your rod and your staff, that they comfort your people. You are for us. You are not against us. May we find our life continually in you. God, you love us so much. That the one that you sent to die in our place is the one who will lead or will leave the ninety nine to go chase down the wandering sheep to bring him back or her back. That your word is true, will you say that you will never leave us nor abandon us? That you are faithless even when we're or you are faithful even when we're faithless. And that for all of your people, there is no condemnation because of what your son provided on that cross in our place. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Hey, have a great rest of the week. We'll see you next week.
1: Thank you for listening to the Meadowbrook Church Podcast. For more information about our church, visit meadowbrook.org.